Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for your many blessings, for your grace and mercy. We give you the praise that is due to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Kids' church uh, can be dismissed, amen, amen, and as we're staying, we go to the word of the Lord today, Genesis, the 28th chapter, Genesis 28, in a small segment there, we'll read, starting in verse 10, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night before the sun was set, and he took the stones of that place put them for his pillows, and he lay down in the place to sleep. Dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up upon the earth, and atop of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and of the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee, I will give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, and to the north and south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all thy places, whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done all that which I have spoken to thee of. Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely... The Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Skipping down to verse 20. Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Amen. And so I want to preach to you today from this title, Ready to Respond. Ready to Respond. Turn to a few people and... Ask them, are you ready to respond as you're seated today? Hey Amen. If you went to Sunday school as a child or you've been in church uh, for some time in your life or maybe you this, this is all kind of new to you. Uh, this is quite the interesting story that is, is told and uh, shared. Uh, this is many, one of the many stories that uh, we may know about Jacob's life. It's probably the most popular incident in his life uh, called the Jacob's Ladder or Jacob's Dream. Uh, but the first time that we are introduced to Jacob... Uh, a few chapters earlier was obviously at his birth when his twin brother Esau was born first. And so being the firstborn, he had, uh, Esau had the birthright for the inheritance of the family. And Esau, as Esau was born, the Bible describes that Jacob's little hand stretched forth and he grabbed a hold of his brother's heel um, thus earned him the name Jacob or heel grabber, which is also meant as deceiver or supplanter. They, he'll trip you up, grab your heel, you're going to trip up and fall. Uh, and, and so uh, really this means to take the place of another as through force or scheming or strategy or the like, to trip up or to overthrow. That is what Jacob means. 
Uh, and I'm sure you may have memories uh, from your childhood of where you were walking somewhere or running to get something, and maybe uh, one of your siblings reached out and grabbed a hold of your heel, uh, grabbed a hold of your leg, and the next thing you knew was that you were on the ground. And you hear a joyous mocking as your older brother or sibling uh, gets to the toy before you did because somehow you fell and you couldn't reach it. And so they were able to get it before you did. This is who Jacob was. This is what his name meant. And a lot of times, many times, these uh, people uh, end up becoming like what the definition of their name is. It's really fascinating, something to look into. Uh, and so you just don't want to name uh, your kid some crazy name. you got to look up what that means. Uh, because if it, if it means Tasmanian devil, you might be in for something. And, and so uh, all the, uh, the, the, the new parents or future parents, be sure to look at what the name means. Uh, because that uh, is, is really interesting how kids may grow up to be just like that. As, as Jacob did, uh, the heel grabber. And uh, we don't get to get into all of his life and his story, but... Uh, he basically lived up to what his name meant, a deceiver and a heel grabber. He came into this world reaching for something that wasn't his. He was ready to respond uh, for selfish purposes. And if it, was, if it concerned him or uh, was to better his life, uh, he was ready to respond, and, and he reached out, and he grabbed a hold of that. He didn't care about the other person's thoughts or feelings. He was ready to respond to his own personal desires. And, and thus, Jacob lived up to his name time and time again. He was after his brother's birthright. Uh, and he wasn't going to stop planning or scheming to get it. Um, until he could trip up Esau and take what wasn't his, uh, because that's what Jacob desired. Uh, the opportunity came one day, and Jacob was ready as ever to respond. He was just chomping at the bit, ready to go at a moment's notice, uh, responding for his selfish uh, endeavors. Uh, but Esau wasn't really ready for it. He, he was blindsided. He was tripped up by his own brother. Esau knew what he possessed, but he really didn't regard it with much value. He had this birthright, and he didn't think much of it, but yet somebody else thought more about it and saw the value in it, more valuable than what Esau, the man who possessed it, uh, realized that he had. The birthright of the firstborn male was of great value because if you were the firstborn, you got twice as much as your siblings did. That's worth tripping up for, twice as much. Uh, and, and so a double portion the, the firstborn son would get. And so I would get two and then you would get one. And that's just the way it, it was. And and so I don't understand how Esau did not see that or, or see the value in that. Maybe he wasn't good at math and he was good at other things. Uh, but Jacob was cunning in that he waited for the opportune moment. He was ready to respond at a moment's notice to grab his brother's heel 
and to take what wasn't his because Jacob was all about himself. He was ready to respond for situations and circumstances that would benefit him but not others. And he was ready to respond for his own personal desires but was he ready to respond to the call of God? Uh, And so that is why now more than ever we need to understand what it is that we possess. We need to understand what we possess because this world and the devil is trying to come and to come and take from us what we have been given. And if we're not aware of it, we can be tripped up easily. And so we need to be on the the forefront. We need to be on the watch to be watchful because Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so we are also told to be sober and to be vigilant because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walketh about seeketh whom he may devour and so the devil in the spirit of this world is waiting for the opportune moment to grab a hold of our heel and to trip us up now more than ever does the church need to be sober and to be vigilant now more than ever do our fathers need to be sober and vigilant now more than ever do our mothers need to be sober and vigilant because if we are not going to guard it, then the devil is going to come and try to take it. If we don't guard our children, the devil is going to come and take them. If we don't guard what they're watching, then the spirit of this world will get into their soul. If we're not guarding what our, who our children's friends are, then the tide of this culture will wash them out to sea and we will be in utter shock. What happened? How did this happen? I'll tell you why. It's because the enemy is after it. The enemy is ready to respond for their own personal desires, but are we ready to respond? That is why we need to stand for truth in our homes. And that is why we need to be an example of how to live. And we need to show the next generation just how precious this apostolic truth is. Because if we don't show them, who's going to show them? If we don't teach them to pray, who's going to teach them to pray? If they don't see mom and dad praying and, and, and de- devoting time to, to God and reading the Bible, then they're not going to understand the value of the birthright given to us. And in a moment of weakness, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. In a moment, we, he sold it for a bowl of lentil soup. And if we're not careful, we can easily lose out on things too because we're not watchful and, and, and being ready to respond to uh, an attack of the enemy. So we live in a day and age where you have a buffet of churches. Choose one that sounds best and one that is the easiest to live by. Uh, what has happened is, is that someone didn't value the truth enough and let wa- let people water it down and, and say, you don't need to do this or do that or, or, or water things down. Somebody sold the, the truth to a, a false prophet in the name of, of grace or convenience and say, uh, let's just make it a lot easier for them and not really talk about uh, the hard things. 
by saying, oh, you, you really don't have to live like that or you really don't have to, to dress like that or you can still live for God but not be so different from the world. You don't want to stand out too much from the world. Uh, uh, and so you can still look and, and live like the world and still be a Christian. And so distinction, uh, that is the, the lentil soup that is being traded in Christianity today, being separated and set apart and called out from the rest of the world. That's, that's, that's what's being watered down, that line of, of distinction and separation because if there's no, if we don't uh, emphasize the separation with the next generation that, ro- that grows up, they're not going to see the line because we don't pay attention to the line and we don't talk about how, why we're different than everybody else and how we are uh, set apart. And so if we don't uh, focus on the line of separation, the, the bowl of soup, then obviously what can happen is birthrights can be sold and traded. And, and so... If we don't know the word of God or we don't value what it says, then we will lose out on what we have, just like Esau did. Second Thessalonians addresses this, and, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume in the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they loved not the love, they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. They had the, they had the value. They had the birthright, but they didn't love it. And, and so what happened? They traded it for some standard or, or for some easier way to live. And, and for this cause, God has sent them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they might all be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so now more than ever do we need to know the truth and do we need to stand for truth. Do we need to live for truth and we need to love the truth. Because if we really don't love it we can easily let it go for something much less. So we live in a world where. We have placed a higher premium on sincerity than on truth. Just, you need to be super nice. Don't worry about the truth. I know the truth is hard, but let's just not tell them all the truth so that we can be sincere. Um, and, and maybe one day we'll get to the, the, hard, the hard parts of the Bible. Uh, but the attitude of the world is that, that if our intentions are right, if we have a good motive, then our actions, no matter how awful they are or or how, how watered down they are, then they're justified because we have a good intention. But the ends that never really justify the means, right is always right, even if everyone is against it, you still have to stand for truth, you still have to be on the right side of the word of God, because wrong is always going to be wrong, even if everybody is for it, there still has to be some apostolics who say, no, that's not right. The Word of God does not say that. The Word of God does not condone that type of lifestyle, Those live, the way that you're living. Sin is sin, and we all need to come to an altar of repentance, and the world doesn't want to hear that. We can't be afraid to stand up for truth, even if that means we are standing against the world. Because good intentions will get you nowhere with God. 
Everybody has good intentions. But good intentions don't really get you all that far because you intend to do something that's good. But do you really, the question is, do you really ever get around to doing it? Good intentions are great, but you actually got to follow through and actually do those things. Uh, and, and so uh, the, the, uh, somebody said, hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Nobody, nobody really desired to go there. Just They all had good intentions. Good intentions may become a substitute for action. How many times have we said with sincerity, oh, uh, I'll clean my room after I go out and play? Or, or uh, kids, my kids try to do all that all the time. How about we, we clean up later and we can play now? Or, uh, have, or what about, oh, I'll call you tomorrow, or I'll, uh, I'll pay you back next week, or I'll, I'll call you later. I mean, those are all good intentions, but sometimes we forget to get around to those things. So good intentions are great, but uh, that doesn't mean you're going to do them. Uh, and, and so we never get around to doing it. We had the good intentions to do it, but we never really responded because we either forgot or something else came up and we got distracted. If we could call people uh, out of hell uh, this morning and ask them one at a time, why are you in hell? Did you uh, not know how to be saved? I'm, I'm sure uh, there might be say, I'm, I wasn't really sure, but I believe that uh, literally thousands of people will say, yeah, we, we heard the gospel. We, we, we heard uh, somebody preach that truth, and we, we knew how to be saved uh, uh, and so did you just not have a desire to go to heaven? How did you end up in hell? Oh, oh yes, uh, as a matter of fact, I even had plans to go to heaven. Uh, I thought that someday I would give my life to Christ and, and, and uh, obey the gospel. And, well, then what are you doing in hell? I kept putting it off. And one day I suddenly uh, died in an automobile accident, and here I am. How many stories are going to be like that or are like that? Good intentions often take the place of actually doing something and actually responding uh, to what we should do. But good intentions are not going to get us into heaven because everyone has good intentions of going there. Uh, but it's a matter of actually being ready to respond to the word of God because Jesus tells us how to get into heaven, but we got to respond to the word, not just say, oh, I want to go and I make, I'm making plans. Well, uh, Jesus said in John 3 and 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, you can't get into heaven unless you're born of the water and the spirit. That's Jesus saying that. And so it doesn't matter uh, if you have good intentions of, of, of going there. Uh, Jesus says you need to respond to this. you got to be ready to respond to the word of God. And so um, uh, good intentions cannot play, take the place of doing when it comes to where you will spend eternity. I, because either you're born of the spirit or you're not. Either you're born of the water or you're not. It's, it's cut and dry like that. There's no in between. Either you got wet in Jesus' name or you didn't. Either you're spoken tongues or you haven't. And so that is what Jesus is talking about. Uh, everyone is going to have a good intention of going there to heaven and doing right. But Jesus says you actually need to respond. And so how, how do we respond to being born of the water and of the Spirit? Um, Acts 2.38 said, Then Peter said unto them, You need to repent. 
You need to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and your children, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So do you believe God is still calling people today? That means the promise is still available to being baptized in Jesus' name, to being born of the, the water and of the Spirit, to receive the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And so uh, it's still available to everyone today, but you got to have more than good intentions. you got to be ready to respond. Jesus goes on to explain in John 3 and 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes, whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Jesus wanted to make sure everyone understood when you were born of the spirit. Because being born of the spirit is that critical to determine if you're going to go into heaven or not. And so people ask, well, how do I know that I've been born of the Spirit? And, and many people say you just accept Christ, and, and there he is. He shows up. Well, how do you know? Jesus says uh, you're going to hear a sound when you're born of the Spirit. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You hear the sound like the wind is blowing. Uh, and so you got to be willing uh, to respond to that call and that invitation of Jesus Christ. There was a man... Uh, in the Bible who had good intentions. He was filled with good intentions. He was a good man, Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, uh, and he gave much alms to the people and he prayed to God always. Uh, so here was a man that was filled with good intentions Good deeds. He was a he was a good man, and and uh, if you were to ask uh, this world, you would say, well, he's going to heaven. He's a good man. But the problem is, you you begin to read more into the story of Cornelius, comes to find out that he was still lacking something. He was still lacking something. He hadn't been born again. Uh, and so because of his prayers and because of, 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 of his good intentions and his, and his godly living, uh, God sent him an angel to direct him to say, you need to find, you need to go, uh, go and connect with this man and he's going to tell you what you need to do to be saved because you've got good intentions but you're not there yet. Uh, but I will make sure that you have uh, a moment to respond to the truth that is presented to you. And... Uh, Reading the story out, we know that uh, Peter uh, responded to him and, and he told Cornelius and all his household what he needed to do. Um, and uh, later on at the end of the chapter, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do they know that the, the, the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out? Uh, verse 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And, and then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which received the Holy Ghost as we? And so there's the evidence that they've received the Holy Ghost. They were born of the Spirit. Um, and then Peter says, well, they're born of the Spirit. 
What else needs to happen? You need to be born of the water. Uh, and so you need to be baptized in verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they prayed him to tarry certain days. And so uh, what started out with good intentions, as long as you're, uh, you're following uh, the drawing of the Spirit, uh, God is going to lead you to a church that preaches the apostolic doctrine, that preaches the truth, that you are given us something of value. This birthright is born into your life, and you can respond to that, and your life can be altered and changed. Uh, and, it, and it began with good intentions, but that's not the end. You have to be ready to respond uh, to what God has for your life. And so having good intentions to be born, again, is great. But if you've never been baptized uh, in Jesus' name or if you haven't spoken in tongues as you're filled with the Holy Ghost, don't put it off for another week. And don't say, oh, uh, uh, that sounds good. I'll get around to it. Maybe next week we'll go and do that uh, because we're not promised tomorrow. We don't want to end up in a bad place and say, oh, I had good intentions of, of doing things for God and living for God, but I never really actually responded and did something. We're not saved by works. We are only saved by the grace of God. And if he's given you the opportunity to be baptized and give the and receive the Holy Ghost, then uh, don't put it on your bucket list. Just do it today. Respond today uh, because I want to make sure we have every opportunity to do that. Amen. Good intentions are great, but we need to respond. Our text takes us to the moment that Jacob the deceiver had a dream from God and uh, where he, he gathered these stones. He didn't really know where he was going, where he, where he was. He was just headed uh, back to Haran, back to his uh, uh, family's uh, beginnings. And, and so uh, he laid down these stones and he fell asleep and he had this dream of angels and ascending and descending, and, and God spoke to him through this dream. And when he woke up, uh, verse 16, Jacob awoke out of his sleep and he said, Surely the, the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. It's amazing to read these words that uh, God was there in that place, and Jacob didn't even know it. If he didn't know God was there, how would he be ready to respond to whatever God was doing? But the thing is, what was driving Jacob's life is that he was responding uh, to his own personal desires. He was on his own path in life, and it just, just so happened that God gave him this dream and kind of interrupted things for him. Uh, but he was responding uh, out of selfish reasons. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going here. This is my plan. This is my, my, my plan for my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I've got all these goals and, and decisions and things that I need to make. But uh, he wasn't responding for himself, but was he actually responding to God? Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will keep me on this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. After having this awesome encounter with God, Jacob makes a vow. He says, if, if God will be with me and keep me alive, after I go, you know, and do whatever I want to do, if he keeps me alive through those times of my life, and I can come back to my father's house in peace, then, then he'll be my God. 
He's not, he's not making a confession there that, okay, God, I'm serving you today. He says, uh, I, I'm responding to my own wants and desires, the old cares of my life. Uh, I've got my own path uh, set out for me, and I'm, I'm responding to that. And, yeah, I feel the call of God here. Surely I didn't even know you were here. But uh, if you will keep me safe through these next few decades of my life and bring me back safely, then you're going to be my God. If God will do this, then I'll do that. Uh, I intend to live for God, but not until he does this for me. God, I'll serve you, but you, you need to bless me first. Uh, and then I'll, I'll live for you. And uh, Jacob's vow was full of good intentions. But it is only by the grace of God that Jacob actually did return some 20 years later. Too many people have good intentions that are far down the road. Just let me live like this for now, and then I'll, I'll, find, I'll come to church. I, I've just got a few more things, God, that I, that I need to wrap up, and then I'll, I'll respond to the call because I'm responding to my own call right now. But uh, I have good intentions, Lord. You know me. You know my heart. I, I'll, I'll do that later on. I, I know I, I need to get right with God, and, and one day I will. Today is not that day because I've got other things I need to take care of. God, I, I know that you've got a plan for my life, but I'm not really ready for it. One day we'll, we'll change the world, God, but not today. I've got, I've got these plans ready. And so we, we shake our, our head in disbelief at a, a backslider or a sinner about their good intentions. But what about our good intentions? How many things have we intended to do for God but never really got around to them? How many times have we made commitments to God crying at an altar and saying, oh, God, this is the time, God, I, I'm ready to actually take a step fa forward in, in faith, and I'm ready to embrace my calling, God, and then kind of we kind of just left them at, at the pew with our water bottle as we left. And how many times have we cried at the altar and said, God, I, I'm done living like this, and I, I'm sick of living like this, and I, I, I'm tired of this mediocre walk with you, and I, I'm going to make a change tomorrow, or, or I'm actually going to get around to doing it. And we have those, those good intentions, and we're, we, we're mean what we say, but we don't, really don't actually respond to those things. And tomorrow comes, and uh, we forget, and... The next day, we uh, just stay up too late, and you know we can't, we don't get up get up to pray before work like we told God we would, and uh, we put things off. And, and 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 how many times do we come here and, and have an amazing experience with God, and, and and just like Jacob did, and surely the Lord is in this place, and surely His presence is here, and surely I can feel Him, and, and we kind of walk out of here with good intentions, but we never really see those things change in our life. Because we never really respond to them. We're just thinking that just having that good thought or, or, or saying those words automatically means that we're going to wake up the next day and we're going to pray more than we've ever had before. The problem is, is, is when we utter those words and we make those commitments to God, uh, not only does God hear that, but the enemy hears that. 
Uh, and so he doesn't want those good intentions playing out in our lives. He doesn't want us uh, taking another step forward in God. He doesn't want us climbing higher on the ladder to be closer to God. No, he's going to do everything he can to prevent us uh, from actually responding on those commitments. And so many times our heart is still the same. It's filled with good intentions. There's never really a change in our life because we got to, the easiest thing to do is to come to the altar and say, God, I'm going to start living right. That's the easiest part of the whole process. The, the, The hardest part is actually making a plan how to live right what we need to stop doing and what we need to cut out of our life and what we need to turn off and and who we need to to block on our phones and and what we need to disconnect from. And uh, those are the hard parts that actually help you end up being that person that God is calling you to be, uh, that man or woman of God. But uh, just speaking and and uttering those words is great, but uh, we need to make sure we're ready to respond to those and to back those things up. Musicians, if you would come. One would beg the question of, had Jacob kept coming back to that place every Sunday and having dream upon dream upon dream and each time waking up and saying, surely the Lord is in this place and walking away saying, God, if you bring me back, then you'll be my God, and, and, and then I'll serve you. God, if you uh, enable me to make it back next Sunday, uh, that's going to be the day. That's going to be my, my breakout service. And uh, God, just keep on bringing me back, and one of these days we're going to connect and uh, we'll get things right. And one might say that Jacob would be living in a fairy tale land because there hasn't been a change in his life. He just talks about it being one day this will happen. One day if you bring me back, Lord, then you'll be my God. And meanwhile, I'm responding to my own call. One day, Lord, I will actually respond to your call in my life. Some 20 years later, by the grace of God, Jacob is headed back to his father's house. And he hasn't arrived yet. He he gets word that his brother Esau is coming to meet him. And then Jacob realizes that playtime is over. 20 years I got to do what I wanted to do, but now things are getting serious. My brother is coming to meet me. And the last time we saw each other, it wasn't good because I stole his birthright. And so Jacob realizes that Playtime is over, that I've been lucky enough to get this far on good intentions. But it is still, I still haven't fully committed myself to God yet. I I don't think my good intentions is going to get me past what lies ahead. Because it's time to actually get serious and time to finally make some changes in my life and uh, so what does Jacob do? Jacob sends everyone away and uh, he splits up his entourage, he splits up his family, you guys go this way and you all go on this way uh, because I, I need to be alone right now. No more distractions, no more petty promises, no more cheap commitments to God, no more good intentions. I've 
now is the time that I actually need to respond. It's time to, to make this change in my life and actually embrace what God has called me to do and, and embrace my calling after pursuing my own cares and wants and desires for the past 20 years. Uh, now I'm finally on my way back and I, I know that God has, has had his hand upon me and brought me this far and so now I, I got I to gotta get serious. Genesis 32, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the, for the day breaketh. And he said, I, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And, and he said unto him, What is thy name? And this was a moment of truth because is Jacob really going to confess who he really is? Is he get the wrestling with this stranger who he didn't know? He could have said his name was anything. But he was honest here because he was actually responding to the call of God. And, and, and Jacob said, and he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life has been preserved. It's amazing what happened when Jacob actually responded to the call. When he actually got a hold of God and saying, God, it's really time that you bless me, God. I'm serious about this and I'm going to get a hold, hold of you like never before. And what happens, his life is turned around there in that moment and God changes his name from deceiver to now prince who has power with God. What, what, if, what if Jacob would have done that 20 years ago when he said, I'm putting aside my good intentions. I've met with God here this night. I need to get a hold of God like I never had before. What if Jacob did that 20 years ago and actually embraced the, the calling upon his life? But this time, Jacob didn't have a dream. If you stand with me. This time, Jacob, he didn't have a dream. This time, Jacob didn't say, Surely the Lord was here, and I knew it not. But this time, he didn't leave with good intentions. This time, he responded. This time, he says, it's, it's not getting out of my hands anymore. It's not going to get out of my grasp anymore. But this time was real. This time, after his encounter with God, Jacob left changed. And he walked away a different man, and he was a changed man. He didn't walk the same. His name was even changed from deceiver to prince with God. All of this because, because he said, good intentions ain't going to do it for me anymore. Now I've got to actually respond to the call of God. It's time to finally make that change. To finally walk out of there, out of here different. It's time to take your new commitments with God, with you, and to act on them this week. And we we're here time after time, week after week. And I wonder how many uh, good intentions are kind of left here in the building as we walk out of here. 
It's time that we get rid of our good intentions and we get ourselves a new name. It's time that we get rid of good intentions and we, we actually get a new life and we, we start walking in that, the, the call of God. It's time we get rid of our good intentions and respond with a new walk in God and respond to a change in our life this week. Because the enemy, see the enemy is filled with intentions. And the enemy is filled with desires that they want us, uh, what they, they want to do in our lives. And they want to see these bad things happen to us. And uh, the enemy doesn't go on vacation. And the enemy doesn't take breaks. And, and the enemy uh, doesn't take it easy. And I, I'm not against vacations and taking breaks and all those things. But if, if we're not going to follow our good intentions and make sure that they follow through. We're not going to get that very far. We'll just get back to the same old place and 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 running through the same experiences that God has for us. And uh, uh, because until we actually embrace who we are and embrace what we have been given and embrace this apostolic truth and to love it like never before and be ready to pray like never before and be ready to fight the enemy like never before. I don't know if you realize or not, but this world is turning really fast. Things are turning really fast. And the enemy, the Bible says that the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. It's been in the world for over 2,000 years. And we're really starting to see its ugly head uh, stick out. And so now's the time that we actually need to put aside our good intentions and actually respond to the call of God and get things serious in our life. Why? Because things are getting serious out there. And so we got to stand stronger like never before. we got to be ready to engage the enemy like never before. Why? Because God is still on our side. But we need to stand strong. We need to love this truth like never before. So I want to open up these altars today. You want to come down here and grab a hold of God. Maybe you need to wrestle like Jacob did. Or maybe you need to come down here and pick up those commitments that you made and say, now's the time. Now's the, today's the day that I'm going to put them down and, and, and pick them up in my life and say, I'm going to follow through today. Come on, would you respond to the call? Would you respond to the call in your life? God is with you. God is going to help you. If you do your part, God's going to be here for your part. Come on, there's an enemy out there. We got to get ready. We got to prepare ourselves. We got to respond to the call of God in our lives. Come on. God has promised us victory. We need to grab a hold of it today. If you haven't been baptized, you can get baptized today. Don't put it off. If you need a touch from God, come on down here. God is alive. He's here today. We're going to bind together in faith and believe that God can do anything today. Come on, let's respond. Let's begin to pray for one another. Help each other. Lift up one another. Encourage him. We're going to fight the enemy together. We're going to walk out of here different today. In the name of Jesus. He has overcome. Yes, he has overcome. Come on, God is here. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. God wants to do something in your life. Jesus, you 